Bing bong, I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, and boy, oh boy, did I have a banger of an episode with at BTCXZelko, that's B-T-C-X-Z-E-L-K-O on Twitter, the co-founder of Ronin Dojo. And they also create hardware and software to allow you to run your own Bitcoin node, remain private, and do your own self-custody, and much, much, much more. So be sure to con- uh, to uh, check them out at Ronin Dojo Node on Twitter at R-O-N-I-N-D-O-J-O Node on Twitter. Awesome, awesome stuff. We get into privacy, Bitcoin meetups, uh, everything from running to a node, running your own node, uh, his orange pill story. I mean, the conversation went all over the place. But as always, it's a stellar, stellar conversation. I felt like I couldn't even get him off. I I wanted to keep talking to him forever. So I hope uh, you guys listening also enjoyed the conversation as well as he brings massive amounts of insights and a great and refreshing perspective on Bitcoin as a whole. Um, So be sure to give us a listen on this episode. And as always, none of this is financial advice and should never, ever, ever be taken as financial advice. So please, please, please do your own due diligence before buying or selling anything mentioned in this show. And uh, But the opinions here are strictly the opinions of BTCX, Zelco, and myself, and not any of our employers or companies that we work for. Now, let's get into the episode. Whoosh. All right, bing bong. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. I got BTCX, Zelco here, and he is the co-founder of Ronin Dojo Node. Um, which is a hardware and software TCX company. TCX Zelco here, and oh, he is the co-founder. Whoa, I had my own stream in the background. Whoops. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, I have uh, uh, Ronin Dojo, or he found, co-founded Ronin Dojo, uh, a hardware and software company that helps you run your own Bitcoin node and maintain privacy and do self-custody and much, much more. So uh, Zelco, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First off, let's let's get into it. Where does uh, BTC Zelco come from? I'm not like necessarily a big Star Wars guy. You got like a Star Wars avatar here. So is it uh, something Star Wars related or what? Oh, no. It's Man, I've actually never been asked about my the origin of my NIM, but it's, uh, it's, it's a little tip to heritage and a little tip, uh, I mean, I used to make accounts like this on uh, Xbox Live, ironically, like way back. And so I was like, I, I was, I'm like the least creative person ever. So when it came time to make like a, a Bitcoin Twitter account, because I didn't use Twitter really before that, this just kind of popped in my head. So here, here I am. Yeah, there you go. So um, we actually got introduced through a, another NIM account. My other NIM interview with, uh, with Hedy Walk. Um, and through there, uh, I believe you guys are you know, connected with uh, with a meetup that you got going on there. Um, so um, why don't you get into, I guess, a little bit of what you guys got going on in the OC Bitcoin meetup? I know that uh, 
Hetty mentioned to me um, that uh, that Ronin Dojo, the company that you co-founded, is now a sponsor of the OCBTC network. And uh, part of your goal is to get some non-KYC sponsors. So, um, like, how is that going? How is uh, kind of like, you know, joining together and, and connecting with a lot of Bitcoiners going in, in that meetup and also like kind of having the company aspect of it as well? Yeah, so... Hedy, Hedy Wook's a, a really good dude. So we met, um, and probably two years ago now, uh, kind of when I first started Ronin and, um, met up with him and Stephen Cole and, um, and Ragnar. And it was like, that was like my first real, like in-person Bitcoin experience. Uh, like we went to like a local pizza place, drank some beers and it was, it was awesome. Um, that was kind of when it like clicked to me, like how much better, um, Bitcoin is in person, like how much better, like being with the community of people, uh, who actually appreciate and understand like what it is. And we all had different, completely different views on stuff. We all had totally different, like, I'm not bullish on lightning at all. Um, and like a lot of the guys were, you know, um, me and Ragnar actually got along really, really well, which is awesome. Cause, uh, you know, we, uh, we go to all the guns, Bitcoin conferences now, um, which is an awesome event. Shout out to Ragnar. Um, but yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. And then from there, uh, me and Stephen Cole um, and then Hetty was helping us out a lot, too, with a lot of like the graphic design and stuff. We did like a, a whole series during the COVID lockdowns, ironically, just on uh, on different nodes. And we brought everybody in and the whole goal was to spread information, which is kind of funny. Like uh, like I, I sat on all the the um, the meetups that we did virtually with like other nodes to talk about like their product and like why it was good and stuff, which was like, it was just kind of funny. Um, but like, it was, it was really cool. Um, I think, uh, that was a really good space because out of all the stuff that Bitcoin's been through in the last like three or four years, seeing the expansion of full node projects, uh, to make it really easy has been awesome. Cause you know, like that's just like building that sovereign level of Bitcoin, um, to, to get as many people to be sovereign owners as possible. Um, but yeah, Hetty Wook's really, uh, unfortunately, like I moved from that, that area. Um, so I'm, I'm helping them out as much as I can, but really, uh, Hetty Wook's like taking the charge, um, you know, trying to get, trying to get those non KYC, uh, connections made. And really what that comes down to, uh, to kind of answer your question, what that really comes down to is that peer to peer aspect. Like there's no better way to do Bitcoin transactions or to purchase Bitcoin than like somebody that you know and trust someone that you've had a beer with um you're gonna be or you know pizza or beverage of your choice you're you're gonna trust them right to uh, to have that transactions and to come back frequently or set up whatever you know agreement that you want to do on your own and um you know that's how that's how i kind of built up myself in um in my no kyc stack and then um and you know not everyone most everybody in bitcoin at some point is at a kyc stack it's okay um, you know, but trying to build up that no KYC, you know, um, amount and then just trying to convert as much as you can over, especially while we're, we're down in the market, this is a good time to start, uh, start getting that no KYC Bitcoin. So yeah, go, go to your local meetups. Um, there's, there's always a way, there's always people trying to help, um, connect major areas. Like if you're looking at the closest big city that you have near you, uh, I'm sure you'll find a local meetup somewhere. So, uh, you know, you just gotta do a little research and, and you'll find your spot. And if not be that person, 
start it up on your own and then just reach out and try to get as many, you know, try to get as many people into it as you can. Yeah, for sure. A lot of great stuff. And I try to follow a lot of the uh, Bitcoin meetup pages in the States. So uh, if you want to look at the, like the green candle who I'm following, you know, feel free to, to look at, at those as well. But uh, we're, I want to get into a couple things uh, like running your own node and, and local meetups and all that kind of stuff. But first, I feel, I feel like you dropped the bomb on me in there and you kind of just brushed over it at the beginning when you talked about that you're not bullish on lightning. Oh, so no. I hear so why aren't you bullish on the lightning network when it comes to Bitcoin? All right, all right, well, let's back it up. So in general, for those who don't know and that are listening to the show, the lightning network's a layer two technology that essentially allows you to send, uh, you know, micro transactions from me to you. Um, and then it kind of just groups them all together onto one big layer, one transaction, making it cheaper peer to peer. Um, I, I think that's a good summary of it. And if you have a better summary of it, then, then feel free. But um yeah i want to hear why you're not bullish on it yeah no that was, that was a pretty good summary um yeah no i mean you're also talking to like a, a person who like started their kind of uh their rabbit hole into like doing all their own stuff uh with lightning uh i like followed some guides when lightning first came out and it was hashtag reckless uh to run on mainnet and i was like in the first like 100 nodes to like be connected and do all that and it I felt like I was a coder. It was really cool because I had no no computer background whatsoever. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not super bullish on it right now, um, and I haven't been for quite some time. It's it it just like it's I guess it's been around for what since 2015, 2016, and we really like haven't seen um, the the vast improvements that we expected. Like it felt, it feels like every year all the devs are like, it's one more year. It's just one more year. And it's, it's kind of, it's still experimental. It's still like a pro like a science project, I guess is one way to put it. Um, it's not something that like as a regular user of Bitcoin um, that I like fully trust, right? Like the best wallets, the best um, easiest user experiences that there are is with like custodial wallets. Um, the only time I really use Lightning wallets is at like these uh, Bitcoin conventions, because uh, some people only want to pay, you know, buy their stuff with with Lightning, and you know that's that's fine. Um, we'll accept your Bitcoin however you want to do it. Uh, get, we put it on chain as soon as we can, anyways. But um, yeah, it's uh, and for that I use a custodial wallet because it's the easiest thing to do, um, which pains me as a node, as a as a node company. It uh it kind of sucks, but um, you know, the other reason, it, it, like, as far as that gets me more like fired up about Lightning, is that there's so many claims that like Lightning is more private than on chain, that like all this stuff. And my issue is that like when you're looking at Lightning, it's you know the, the funding, the channels, um, channel management, all these things make it extremely difficult to be efficient at Lightning, <clears throat> and that takes a lot of time and dedication for the average user while being a sovereign user now if, if i'm using it and i'm just using custodial wallet they kind of do all that stuff for me then like you know like an average user who's only putting you know 10 20 30 dollars on there that makes sense and what i found myself when i was using it because i even had it set up on a dojo uh, like connected it to my dojo in the beginning there's a guide out there on the internet somewhere that still shows it but yeah i like i was like found myself looking for something to buy with lightning 
and it was like stickers or whatever. And then I would put just that amount on there on the, on the wallet, maybe a little bit more. And then after that, I was like, okay, I guess I'll just like close it. Like I, I didn't know what to do. So, um, it kind of felt like a tinker thing. It made me feel cool for a little bit. And then I just like, I'm getting more privacy from like whirlpooling my stuff and, and using these like really, and then I saw all the cool tools that Samurai made and then they kept making new stuff. And I was like, this is just kind of blows, blows my mind, blows it out of the water. And, uh, and that's, and then like kind of Doja Ronin took over and we, we definitely never, we never had the, the manpower to do it. There's like the amount of up uptake and time that it takes to stick with lightning and maintain everything um for the vast amount of users was not something i was interested in uh considering that like me and my other co-founder are not coders we uh we are all we're both self-taught um it wasn't something that we really looked into and considering that like we're a privacy node and there's no huge upside on the privacy side uh just didn't really really interest me too much people are always trying to pitch it though one day the, they might get me, but I'd have to be pretty drunk, and then I'd have to write a lot of code while drunk in order for that to happen. So, and then I'll probably remove it the next day. So, I don't know if it'll ever really hit the hit the release side, but yeah. All it takes is a couple beers, huh? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say a couple, but yeah, like maybe some really good scotch. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, I mean, it seems like all you California guys are really into the, the the privacy aspect of it, but but it's good. I think you know, like we, uh, like I said, and we've mentioned before that we had Hedy Wook on here, and, and he was really big on that as well. So, um, why don't we get into like Ronin Dojo and what you guys are doing over there with, uh, I guess, the privacy aspect? So, let's let's dumb it down for for the average or the, maybe the newbie Bitcoiner, what is the important, what is running a Bitcoin node and what is, uh, in your opinion, like the importance of running your own Bitcoin node? Okay. Yeah. Um, so running a, a Bitcoin full node means that you are running the entire, you've, you've taken the entire history of Bitcoin. Uh, you've downloaded it from the peer to peer, uh, network. Uh, so you have every single transaction that's ever been made on Bitcoin ever. Um, and so you can verify every single transaction uh, that is valid, is on the right chain. Um, and so when it comes to having a wallet, uh, when you're running your own node, you know that every single transaction is correct, that's been verified. And um, so where that comes into play is that if you're not running your own full node, you're trusting someone else's node to be doing that and to send you right the correct information. And, uh, and with that, right, they also, if, if I'm using someone else's server or someone else's full node, they also have my extended public key. So they know every single transaction that I've ever made. They also know every single transaction that I ever will make with that wallet. Um, so, you know, you've, you've kind of given yourself up um, in that aspect. Yeah, so I, and that's one thing I, I don't know a lot of Bitcoiners really truly accept or uh, understand. I would like the normie uh, everyday user um, who's maybe stacking sats and then they they get told, hey, put it, take it off the exchange. And they say, OK, um, you know, all of those are a few like I have family members that use a Trezor and then they hook it up to Trezor Live. And I'm like, you know, even if you use something else like you're you're at least not going to um, like you're, you're giving all your information to Trezor. You know, they have all that. If they ever get 
uh, subpoenaed or whatever, they can just give up all your information. So uh, all of that's really important for being a sovereign um, individual. I'll use that word a lot. And I just mean, you know, Bitcoin is about um, is about taking out third parties, right? Like you don't, the bank should not tell you uh, what you can and can't do with your money. That's That was the whole point. Uh, Bitcoin is supposed to be the FU money, right? So um, you should be able to do what you want with your money. Um, and that's kind of the issue with fiat and the banks is that if you had $100,000 in the bank and you said, I want to take all of it out, uh, they would throw up uh, a lot of red flags and then they would uh, probably not give you your money or say, hey, we need a couple of weeks to actually get your money because of the fractional banking system. So or the fractional reserve. So, you know, when it comes to that, it's like, hey, stick, cut out the third parties, you know, do that in every aspect that you can. Uh, it's not practical. Not everyone can do it for everything. And, and I don't ever expect anyone to go like sovereign for everything. And there's some people that try to do it. But, um, you know, there, for the everyday user, if you can at least run your own full node or connect to someone's node that you trust, um, that's a lot better than giving up all your information to, uh, you know, to a random third party or, um, you know, some random Electrum node that could be ran by the feds. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's get into so how the uh, so Ronin Dojo, right? So you guys help uh, allow people to give their hardware or to give them hardware to, in order to run their own node. Uh, at least that's my understanding, right? And then uh, you know you you give them software to uh, make it a little bit easier to to run their own node. So how are you guys? Uh, I guess you know as a third party, as 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 you were saying, allowing the user to still kind of maintain that privacy aspect by, you know, giving their, their hardware and software. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first and foremost, we're a free open source um, software company. Um, everything is, is free and you're able to uh, copy our code and write your own thing if you want to. Um, we truly believe that ethos and that's why we, I mean, we wouldn't be here without the, the uh, FOSS community. So uh, we're completely made up of people that just wanted to contribute. Um, you know, but with that said, um, the whole point of, of our stuff is that we give you the tools in order to be your own, um, your own full node, right? It's not you relying on us to do anything. We basically set it up. We set up software so that, um, it'll download and run everything, install everything for you. Um, and you can always verify that we're not installing anything malicious, um, as far as like the hardware goes, if uh, we, what we do, that's the way that we're trying to maintain or, or like sustain ourselves, uh, because we truly believe that in this community, in this space, if uh, if you want to be successful, you need to find a way to uh, sustain yourself on more than just um, the good free will of people to donate. Um, because at the same time, you know, people, there are people that want to donate their Bitcoin, but in the same breath, it's like we're told, you know, strong hands like hold forever um you know so how many people are going to want to give up their bitcoin to to help a project um you know some might but not everybody but yeah so so we sell the hardware to basically streamline the process for you we have probably and not probably we do and not to you know crap on anybody else but we definitely have the best hardware setup um the best case uh it's cnc milled pure aluminum with passive cooling built in, LED lights, all that fun stuff. And uh, 
in the event that you didn't trust us, right? In the event that you're like, hey, I got a full node, I bought it through you guys, but I don't really want to trust you. You can take the SD card out, reflash it yourself, verify our um, verify our SHA-256 sum, which we have guides on how to do all of that in our wiki because we were basic users that weren't very smart. So we had to, we wrote guides for everybody else. Um, yeah, so you just uh, verify that it's the correct download and then you plug that back in and go. Um, so we, we build everything with this in intent of like, um, we want the most critical people who like don't want to trust anybody to still be able to use our stuff. You know, we don't want it to be like, uh, I have to trust them no matter what. And if I can't, like, I, I can't verify against them. Like we want it to be as security and privacy proof as possible. And that's what we've done. And our software is all built around being private and, um, and staying on the cutting edge of, of the privacy software uh, side of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. And it seems like you guys are doing a lot and you have a lot of guides too that, that allow uh, you know, your users and purchasers also to uh, go through and you know, figure it out kind of for themselves. Um, but uh, I guess to, to another point, how would you encourage somebody to, that says, okay, you know, I get Bitcoin, uh, but, you know, as you kind of said at first, you weren't really a coder or anything like that uh, when you first started. How would you kind of encourage somebody to that that maybe says, uh, you know, I get the uh, I get Bitcoin and I kind of understand it on a surface level, but I'm not ex exactly extremely technical. So it's just, you know, a like easier for me to just buy it on an exchange or not run my own node. How would you kind of convince somebody like, hey, running your own node is very important and you should do that. Uh, I, so I would start with, it's going to sound like cheesy, but like start with your why, right? Like, um, you know, like what, what attracted you to Bitcoin? And that's kind of going to be the like catalyst to which like drives you everywhere else. Um, you know, I, I got, I like started with like, Oh, like it's a really good investment. Like uh, my father-in-law told me about it and I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. Um, my wife said no. And then a few years later we, we said yes. Right. So we started, uh, started to accumulate, but once I, that was like in the middle of the big block, small block, uh, you know, debate and flame wars and Roger Veer and all that fun stuff, which is super entertaining. But I got like obsessed with like the debates and like people talking about circular economy and peer to peer. And that's what attracted me to lightning at the time. Um, you know, so like, I, I kept thinking about that, like that turned into like my rabbit hole was like, how do I be like, how do I like cut out all these third parties and just be as private? Like, I just wanted to be like sufficient on my own. And, you know, and then I like, I, I came really got back into it in like 2018 and I like heard about Whirlpool and, and uh, Wasabi and I was like, oh, like coin joins, like this is cool. like privacy like let's look into it and um that's kind of what what started making me dive in even deeper and, and dojo came out and all this fun stuff but and i and i like told myself i was like i have to run this like if i don't run this and everyone was like if you don't run your own full nude like you're an idiot and like that was just what was said on telegram and i was like all right like yeah i guess i gotta run my own full node and then you know it was just kind of like I, i'm a person that like I have to like keep trying it myself and break things until it works. Cause I, I, even to this day, you know, my team will laugh and they'll tell you, uh, like I, 
it takes me a long time to write code because I have to like practice and that, not practice, but I have to like write it out. And then someone's like, that's wrong. Or I test it and it breaks. And then I rewrite it and keep doing that over and over. Um, eventually I get it and that's okay. But if you're a person that's like starting out and you're like, this is overwhelming. It's a lot. Just take a breath and just realize that like the community, the Bitcoin community as a whole is here for you. Like, that is the number one thing that I love more about Bitcoin. We can all argue about, you know, which products better and which protocol, like lightning, not lightning, privacy, not privacy, whatever. The only ones I don't get along with is like the 100% like by the KYC stuff because I'm not friends with you. But for the most part, everybody wants Bitcoin to succeed. So in order to do that, people need to understand it. So like learning about Bitcoin and diving into the rabbit hole even if it's just like DMing, like messaging in Telegram groups or which I've found to be the, the best way is just like there's so many Telegram groups that you can join and like learn from. Um, but just like asking the questions that you don't know. And there's always someone that's going to break it down like Barney style for you. And they're going to help you get there because uh, there was someone when I was that person trying to like figure out how to write, get like a full node running. Like I have a DM and it's like, how do I get Tor like installed on my Raspberry Pi? Like that was what I was trying to do. And eventually I got it. And he, his, I was like, I'm really sorry for bothering you. Like, I, I appreciate you taking the time and whatever. I felt so bad because it was like hours. And, and afterwards he's like, yeah, man, it's no problem. Like if, if we don't help each other, like how else is this magic internet money going to work? Right? Like, that's so when you're like afraid if you're one of those people it's like i don't want to ask people or like i don't know what to do like just ask like there there's kind of be someone that helps you and like you know that's what it, what it really comes down to and that is the key to bitcoin i don't care about the fights i don't care about the other stuff like the key to bitcoin is people are here to help each other oh i agree 100 percent, and i couldn't you know agree more with the the community aspect of everything as well you know i I haven't been doing this too long. Uh, the podcast I've been writing about Bitcoin maybe for a little over a year now, but not much, maybe a year and a month or so. But anytime I, you know, reach out to somebody in the Bitcoin community, they're extremely helpful. And it's exactly like you said, like if somebody is confused about something or, or wants to, you know, show you something or, or you're asking questions as long as you're like willing to learn everybody in the bitcoin community from what i can tell is very much helpful about everything too and uh i think you know it's perfectly like like you said everybody was there at one point too you know this is a very new technology right so i mean the white paper was put out in like what like what was it so, november 2008 yeah yep. yeah so i mean like uh what what is that 14 years ago not even um so i mean like it's everybody's kind of learning as they're going and i think uh everybody's willing to to help and whether it's you know through through twitter or telegram or even like local meetups i think there's you're you're always going to be able to find somebody that is open and willing to help you kind of take you along that journey and, and maybe put you under your wing and, and help you learn all the aspects about, about Bitcoin. Um, and so let's get into, I guess, uh, like your experience at, at Ronin Dojo. So, um, yeah. So how, how is that going? Like how did, what kind of got you started that, that you're like, okay, well, 
you know, maybe you built your own node first and then you're like, okay, I want to spread this out to the masses. Like what um, kind of brought you to the point where you wanted to start running Dojo and, and get that uh, going to help others run their own Bitcoin node? Yeah. Um, so it's a good question. Yeah. So um, there was a, there's like a telegram channel. It was called Dojo by Samurai Wallet. And uh, that's where I was like asking all these other like really smart people for help. And because uh, I, I had a Raspberry Pi 4 and that's what I wanted to use. And uh, the software even, well, I guess I think it recently now supports like multiple uh, device types, it, but it only supported like a, a regular PC at the time. And so I had like, I was like stuck. Like I didn't know what to do and all these people were helping. And uh, when I eventually got it running, I started writing guides because that's how I got Lightning running. And I was like, hey, handwritten guides with copy-paste. If I can learn to do that, I can help the community who's helped me. I'll help be able to help somebody else out, um, which is a key aspect. If you learn from someone, pay it forward, right? Help other people. Um, but yeah, so uh, another guy in the uh, group who was doing it on another single board computer, it was a Odroid N2. And uh, it's like a little stronger version of a Pi. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was writing guides at the same time. Like we both wrote guides kind of parallel. And then he was like, he DM me and he was like, dude, we should, uh, he's like, I know you're writing a guide. He's like, do you think that we should just like combine forces and, uh, and like write scripts and like automate it? So it's even easier for people. And I was like, I don't know how to write scripts, dude. Like, uh, I don't have no idea what that means. And he was like, yeah, well, well, it's fine. Like we'll learn together. And I was like, okay. So we made a repo. We called it Ronin Dojo because Ronin, you know, Ronins in the time of samurai were um, uh, masterless samurai. They answered to, you know, they had no allegiance. Right. So that, that kind of went with our theme and a lot of, uh, a lot of banging on the keyboards and learning as I went. And yeah, that's just kind of how we started. Uh, we didn't really have the intent of anything other than to give back to the community. Um, that's all that we ever really wanted to be. We were samurai community um, users who just wanted to help grow this like sovereign Bitcoin idea. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, and then we had people come in that just like kind of drawn to the project who wanted to contribute. Um, just kind of saw all the potential and uh and yeah they just started helping out even people we had a we had a lot of people we've we've had maybe three or four people actually maybe more that were not technical coders which didn't help our like you know progress as far as like you know having a really good um really like robust code um but but they were like helping educate people or they were helping us test and they were helping write guides like uh, helping up keep a, a wiki link like all of those things like they all helped and they all contributed and um and without it we wouldn't have the robust uh wiki that we we do today and you know that attracted even more and, and eventually we got some really good uh we have an amazing front end um a developer who helped us develop uh the ronin ui um and then we've had a couple of back end guys who came in and helped and and they're kind of they're on full time now so it's like uh, we've really been able to step up our game in the last six months because we've had, um, we've been able to attract people without even asking. It's just, it's been the beauty of the, the FOSS community, just people kind of asking if they can help and, uh, and people are willing to do it. So that's kind of how we've, we've started to go and, 
And the same thing happened with the uh, hardware. Um, the, he goes by Din Djarin, which is ironic because my icon is a Mandalorian. Um, is the Mandalorian just for right now? He's actually Boba Fett. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> Din Djarin, I know you're not into Star Wars, but it's a, it's a Star Wars thing. He, uh, he messaged us and was like, I want to make you guys a metal case. And we were like, sure, man. Like, we've had some other people who set it for 3D cases. And we were like, yeah, sure. Like, show us what you got. We just kind of, like, didn't hold our breath. And he delivered. And then he delivered again and again and again and just kept stepping his game up. And then he, like, finalized his, like, his prototypes. And when I held it in person, it was, like, the best thing that I've ever held. You know, it's, like, it's heavy. It's solid. And, yeah, it blew my mind. And, um. He's what kind of took us from like, hey, we're this like kind of, you know, DIY project that wants that like all this stuff and, you know, hoping that we could get someone to help sponsor us so we can keep working full time or part time, whatever. And then that was like, wow, we have a real product now. We have a real way to sustain ourselves and and not really have to like bend the knee to anybody. And um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up where we're at now, selling these full nodes that are. Every time we get a new batch, you know, we end up selling out really quick. So it's been it's been really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. And it sounds like the community is really supporting you guys as well, um, which is great. You know, I, I love to see it. And uh, let's let's bring it back a little bit because we, we didn't really start off with this. And normally I do. Um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but the, the orange pill story, like how did you kind of uh, – you know, go down that rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, it seems like not only did you go down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin, but it also led you to, to become somewhat of a, a coder as well, which is which is awesome, you know, learn, learning new skills. And, and uh, I always think that it's really interesting that Bitcoin not only teaches you like, you know, about the hard money and kind of makes everybody look into the uh, economics of everything, but it also, you know, makes everybody kind of, uh, want to understand at least the technicals behind the code and other things as well. So uh, what was the uh, orange pill story and what kind of, I guess, led you to that you know, aha moment where I need to, to learn how to code and get, get deep into this? Oh man. Uh, so 2004, 15, yeah, 2015, my father-in-law came over uh, and uh, cause I was living with my fiance at the time. And he came over and was like, hey, like, I want to watch this Bitcoin documentary with you. Uh, I think it was uh, The Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. Um, so I think it was, you know, the price was like $200 or something at the time. And he was like, oh, like, uh, after you do it, I'll uh, I'll give you guys a Bitcoin or whatever. That's the only amount I'll dox just for whatever reason. I've already sold it, so it's good. But, yeah, he uh, he was like, yeah, I'll, um, I'll give you guys a Bitcoin to watch it. And I was like, done, like, easy watched it and i was immediately like hooked i was like who's satoshi nakamoto and like why is he so smart you know and it like it it just fascinated me um the whole whole thing because i had known about it i had i had friends that like in college you know they were uh you know buying buying weed and stuff on uh the silk road and and all that and uh and i never really thought about it i was just like oh like yeah that's cool i guess i just kind of thought about it like a virtual token. I didn't really think about it as like hard money. Um, and it made sense once I watched uh, the rise and rise of Bitcoin. And then I, you know, the, that small block, uh, small block, big block war, 
really like made me dive into technicals and start to really understand and, and like have a stance on like the, um, the, like philo- the philosophical stances that people have. Um, and so that kind of got me going into Bitcoin and, and I like, I believed in transacting and, you know, if Bitcoin is going to succeed, we need to have circular economy. That's why I thought lightning was the answer. Um, maybe I'll be proven, my new stance will be proven wrong one day. Um, but yeah, I, either way, transactions need to happen. We need to be a um, circular economy. Uh, but I digress. I, I'll, I like to talk, so I'm sorry. Um, no, yes. This is, this is what this is for. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so uh, once, I think like I realized, and, and again, I wouldn't, call myself a coder i wouldn't call myself really anything and that's that's what i think i kind of like um about ronan is that like dude we we didn't know what we were doing like we didn't i don't like i know and i learned this the hard way because i'm like right now i'm trying to learn rust uh as a programming language and i realized very quickly that like i'm not a coder and i'm not a programmer like i no bash, uh, which is like the shell script that you use if you just go into, you know, you SSH into, you know, terminal. Um, that's, I know that really well. I can write scripts now very well. I know Docker pretty well. Um, but apart from that, it takes me a very long time to learn anything new. Um, and that's okay because 99.9% of Bitcoin, uh, maybe 99% of users, Bitcoin users are not coders. Like we are not a you know we all got into it for different reasons but like not everyone is going to be this programmer not everyone's going to be a coder um but i did know that i had to i had to understand how to run these things and i had to understand what was happening um and i i used a lot of different materials that were out there like uh open noms which we also disagree vastly on a lot of things um but i appreciate who he is and what he does um but yeah, I, I looked at uh, a lot of his guides on how to like how to install ElectRS or how to install um, you know whatever it was. I I went to his code, I looked at it, and I was like, oh okay, like I think I understand what's happening. And then you just Google whatever you don't know or DuckDuckGo or whatever you're supposed to do now. Because apparently DuckDuckGo is bad. You know, web search. I don't know. Tor browser it. Um, yeah, so you know, you just you just end up on like Stack Exchange, and you're like just figuring out what the code means, and then you try to write it yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I like I realized that I had to know that stuff because when you're installing something yourself, um, like if you're doing something literally a DIY, you you really need to know the commands so that you can do it. And I feel like, and that's why we kept our command line interface um, so that people could actually understand or like get used to the terminal um you know like i think uh umbrella and my node try to like get rid of like hey users don't really want to go into the to the terminal um if they don't have to and i definitely i think that that's probably true for most people but like getting over that fear and just kind of jumping into the terminal makes you a lot better makes you a lot better bitcoiner because when you need to like troubleshoot something when you need to fix it um someone's going to tell you to get into the terminal. So you might as well try to start like at least getting comfortable with like 
trying to get to a directory and then trying to get to a directory is a folder, you know, just same, same, uh, trying to get to a directory and then trying to find the file and then, Oh man, how do I run the file? Like all these like small things like they, they add up and that's, um, you don't need to be a coder to do it, but you can definitely be comfortable and familiar with the, the terminal and, uh, it'll make you a lot better Bitcoiner. Yeah, you know, the thing uh, when I started, uh, so I mean, my background is in engineering, uh, but not necessarily like computer engineering or anything, mechanical engineering, biomechanical engineering, um, some more like human body stuff. But I did like a a little bit of coding in school. And, uh, you know, whenever you do that, that terminal coding or uh, bash coding, I I don't know, I always feel like I'm kind of like in the movies and stuff because it's. (laughs) You know, just just breaking down and getting into the, the computer, and you kind of like you said, it's it's really it's really interesting because it's not as complicated as people make it think. It's at the end of the day, computers are really dumb, and you just kind of program into whatever you want them to do, and have it run whatever you want them to do, right? So, and once you kind of realize that, that it's like okay, I need to get into the computer, and I need to tell them literally every single step. And you kind of get into that coding mindset is how I would describe it. That's kind of how, you know, you can figure out a lot of these things when when you're diving into or, you know, getting into the weeds of code and and computer programming and all that kind of stuff, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, good on you for for diving down that rabbit hole, because it is like kind of a daunting task. And I know a lot of people are intimidated about by it, but um you know, for all the schooling I have, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a computer nerd or computer geek or anything like that. And majority of the things that I've found you, and figured out is, is from the internet, uh, you know, from some sort of computer search. Or if you want to go on YouTube and, and figure it out, I'm sure somebody's got, you know, plenty of videos up there as well. Um, so we got into a little bit of the software coding aspect of it. Now let's get into the hardware aspect of, I guess, uh, the node and everything like that. Did you have any, um, did you have any part in, in picking any of it? And we actually have a, a question from somebody in the uh, crowd here about, about some of the hardware, but I'll, I'll ask you first, did you get involved with any of the hardware like choices or anything like that before distrib- distribution? Oh yeah. Um, abs- I like absolutely did. Uh, so we we like supported there was a, a time period that we supported um like al- almost every uh single board computer so that's like the raspberry pis and and the other kind of boards like them um and we've kind of narrowed it down to a raspberry pi 4 and a uh a rock pro 64 and so our tonto our uh, our full node is uh, based on a rock pro 64 and so the reason we did that one was because it has um you know essentially six CPUs. Um, so it, it doesn't get clogged up as much as a Raspberry Pi. Uh, it takes a bigger uh, power input. Uh, it can take up to five volts, um, but I think those standard ones are distributed with the 3A uh, voltage. And what that just basically means, it has more power and it can, um, and it can, uh, it can use that PCIe board and actually use the NVMe is what we use now. So it, everything runs faster and, um, and downloads the blockchain faster, um, and with less bottleneck, um, where the pine six, the pine 64, uh, team, 
they're they're developing some new they're like their next uh flagship um single board computer supposed to be similar to a rock pro 64. um we're hoping the size change isn't too much but um yeah we really like where they're going and what they've been doing um they've been and they're like one of the few uh computer chips and companies that like didn't have uh any issues like the uh raspberry pi had like a big shortage and issue during all covid uh we haven't really experienced that and we we're able to like purchase in, in masses so we, i'm really glad that we went that way but yeah we we went that way for the more the the more power and uh processing power that it had and uh, being able to use PCIe and, and make things uh, run faster was a huge plus. And now that we're coming with the NVMe sticks, it's even better. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of why we went the hardware route. Gotcha. So we got two questions from the Canadian Bitcoiners. So I don't I don't know if you can answer this one, but is the Rock Pi sixty four sourced from the Pine sixty four? Do you know? Uh, no, there's so I want to say, don't quote me on it. Um, I'm pretty sure they use this, the same chip, but they're ma manufactured by different companies. Um, so like that processing chip is based on uh, the rock chip. Uh, so rock, like I'm assuming they're talking about the rock Pi 4. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but they use like a board that is uh, almost the same size. I want to say, because I have one. Um, it's also a really good board, uh, just for the record. Um, and it, uh, it's like the same size as a Raspberry Pi three and it has like, uh, you can run the NVMe. Like that's how I run. It has the NVMe like built in. Um, it's small form. It's pretty nice. It's just like flipped upside down. It's kind of weird. It's like the, the processing chip is on the bottom of the board. So it was just, it was kind of awkward for me. And that was the only reason I didn't, uh, want to go that route. I do think that the nodal uses the uh, the Rock Pi Four, if I if I do recall. But hopefully, Keto Miner doesn't like you know attack me or anything for potentially misquoting his product. No, I mean I, I think at the end of the day you're trying to figure it out just like everybody else. So uh, if they uh, come at you for it, maybe I'll, I'll defend you for sure. But <laughs> um, another question we got from the the crowd is is do you have any knowledge about the Pine Phone? Um. Oh man, I wish uh, Dan Jaron was here because he definitely does. He's like the he's like the biggest Pine sixty four fanboy. It's because he was he's based out of uh, Taiwan, which is where they are. Um, but yeah, they uh, I've heard really good things about it. I can't really like a, be a, a testament to it. I don't own one. Um, I use degoogled phones, uh, the degoogled Pixels, but um, yeah, I, I've heard good things like a good promise on it would i use it i mean like i'd probably let him use it first and then tell me if it's worth using to be honest <laughs> but um i i have heard about it i've heard good things he's he's shown me like the pine like smart watches and um you know it's it's not an apple watch or you know a, a garmin but it is I mean, you, we have to remember, like these companies, uh, like Pine sixty four, any of these other ones, like they're uh, like they're they're companies that are, are smaller, more niche, and so for them to try to like compete with these like big tech giants are kind of it's just hard, you know, for most of us to go from like you know these like closed source, really nice, like well 
um, funded projects and uh, products to to something that is probably better privacy, better security, um, but you know isn't as flashy. You know, it's just it takes time. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I I'll dive into your one of your points you made there as well, but. Uh, you know, I, I think people realize, like, at the end of the day, like, just exactly like you said, like, these big giant companies like a, a Apple or a Google, like, you're sacrificing something uh, in order for them to make, you know, these big products. They have to be able to make these giant margins. Um, and, you know, whether it's, like, sell your data or whatever, I, I think, you know, even in the Apple Watch, when you first get it, uh, I think it asks you on there, like, do you want to send your heart rate data for you know, testing or, or analysis, um, you know, I guess to Apple's lab. So Apple is almost, you know, becoming like a, a bio company, in my opinion, where they're, they're getting so many people on this Apple watch. I mean, hell, I have one on right now too. And um, you know, essentially, even if I say maybe no to that question, they could probably get my data all from the iPhone that I have too. Um, or I'm doing this all on a MacBook as well. So um, all these companies, like, you know, they're all kind of connected and they have all this, uh, you know, stuff where, where you're not necessarily as private. Um, so what what is, I guess, like the value of that, that privacy to you? Like how, I, I know you say, like, maybe it's not necessarily, you uh, the the greatest product but at the same time you're kind of maintaining that privacy so uh i i think it's kind of like tying back to this whole bitcoin situation where you know a lot of the things that you and both you and hetty have brought up is that the non-kyc bitcoin so what are kind of the things that you see that um you know or i guess issues right now that you see with like a lot of the custodial um, wallets, maybe like a, a Bitcoin or a, a Celsius or, or some of these other custodials that have been kind of in the news, maybe not necessarily for, for positive things. Um, yeah. So uh, to answer the first part about the, you know, um, I guess the convenience factor of having like all these different products, like your, your Apple Watch, your iPhone, your MacBook, like kind of all linking together. That's like a selling point for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, like, I think what scared me the most and made me kind of, like, realize all that stuff and, like, you were saying with, like, the heart heart rate stuff is when you're starting to get, like, ads, like, you you talked about buying a, I don't know, a, a trampoline or what, I, like, something random. And you, like, you were talking about it out loud to a friend. And then you go on social media and then you see an ad and it's, like, trampolines. And you're, like, I didn't search it. I didn't do anything. And I'm getting ads. I don't like that, right? Like, it's it, – to me, it scares me, you know, like I've talked to a lot of like uh, a lot of people in my like, you know, in, in real life, I guess, or you know, non-Bitcoiners. And some some people are like, yeah, I don't like that. But, you know, what am I going to do? And then I've had other people who are like, yeah, I like that because, uh, you know, now I have an ad that like takes me right to the thing that I said I wanted, uh, which is kind of scary. I hope people try not to think like that because, um, you know, in this world, there's not that many things um, that you can keep privacy on another fun fact before before i dive into kyc and no kyc um any of you users that do not use a pin code and use your face recognition or fingerprint just know that you are, and you're an american just clarify that piece 
Uh, you're not protected to private, your phone's not protected by privacy and with the Fourth Amendment for biotech uh, IDs. So if you use your fingerprint, if you use your face scan and they wanted to search your phone for whatever reason, uh, they don't need anything. They can just use your face, use your finger and open up your phone. So uh, fun fact on that. But <clears throat> I digress. The um, no KYC, KYC. It is in custodial and all that stuff. Um, I, I was on a d debate for the KYC, no KYC, and, and I think I try to give the benefit of the doubt to people that are like, like hand wave, I guess is the way I like to say it. It's hand wave. KYC is like, oh, it's a, um, it's a temporary evil to like, you know, mass adopt Bitcoin. And like, we'll just outhold the feds or whatever it is that you want to say. It's like, man, like KYCing yourself on Bitcoin, if it's a freedom tech, think about it the same way as, you know, uh, Americans are so staunch, staunchly against um, like gun gun owners are at least so staunchly against having a national registry for guns. It's the same thing, right? Because once you be, get put on a list of people that did something or bought something or whatever at some point, right? Um, now you can talk, go into like taxes and capital gains and whatever, but like at the end of the day, you're on a list. And at, if Bitcoin ever becomes, um, illegal or you know they want to go after people if the state wants to go after people who uh bought bitcoin like they just get the kyc list that you know no matter whether they, they tell you that they get rid of the the list after so many years or whatever it doesn't matter that list is permanent you should assume that it's permanent and um just know that like unless you've sold them sold all that bitcoin back uh you're gonna be known as a person that owns bitcoin so if it becomes a bad thing to own Bitcoin, you are now uh, the enemy of the state. And uh, so that's how you have to prepare yourself mentally. Having that um, adversarial mindset is what keeps you sharp, what keeps you um, you know, in, in, on top of this game for the long run. Um, you know, and it goes into like custodials as well, right? I mean, if you're using a custodial wallet, um, especially for a long period of time. I know I said I use a custodial lightning wallet temporarily, but uh, using custodial wallets um, and you think that it's good, it's, is it going to be more convenient and consistent and whatever? Yeah, probably. But um, if that company one shuts down, if they ever just close, you know, close the doors, they're going to take that Bitcoin with them because it's theirs, not yours. Um, not your keys, not your Bitcoin was a saying for a long time. Uh, it applies to more than just, um, the to exchanges um and for those who are like you know maybe they joined in the last like couple of years um and don't know about mount gox that's kind of where that saying spend off of was uh, mount gox was like the number one exchange it was like the only bitcoin exchange and uh you know people had tons of money on there they left their funds on mount gox shut down and then uh they just kept all that bitcoin and people lost thousands thousands of bitcoins which you're talking about today that's a lot of money um and yeah that's just kind of like how that how that went so um you really don't know what's going to happen like we're in such a wild space with a an asset or you know uh, the price of bitcoin changes all the time so you could have a company that's doing really well 
you know, maybe they're doing really well because the price of Bitcoin's, you know, forty to sixty thousand dollars. Then all of a sudden it drops to twenty nine, and now they're they're hurting and they got to close doors. You know, if they started at sixty and they funded that way, and now and they planned out like it was going to go to the moon, uh, go to a million dollars, and now they had to close their uh, close their team down because they can't afford to run on a twenty nine thousand dollar Bitcoin. So those are all things to keep in mind, and that's why I always try to heat against that. If you run this stuff yourself, if you um, if you're using a non-custodial wallet, it's you'll always have the Bitcoin. You'll always be able to back up your seeds. Uh, you'll always be able to import that into some other Bitcoin non-custodial wallet and get your funds back. So. All right. Well, yeah, no, I really appreciate that, that whole, that whole rant and getting down into the weeds of it, because I think a lot of people, you know, especially when you first like kind of onboard somebody and, you know, even for me personally, I think at the beginning stages, it's almost, it's just easier just to get somebody to just be like, Hey, you know, if you have a cash app or something along these lines where now it's like so accessible where you could buy Bitcoin instead of kind of getting into it, you have them buy maybe a little bit of this uh, KYC Bitcoin on some sort of an ex- exchange and then kind of teach them the the principles and then dive deep into it. And then after they've bought some, then you get into, you know, the non-KYC stuff. And, you know, maybe some people are will always be willing to sacrifice their, their data because, you know, at the end of the day, they realize like it's easier and that's the convenience. But, you know, some will also, you know, want that non-KYC aspect, which is very, very powerful. And I think a big reason why what draws a lot of people to Bitcoin as well. And so um, I guess let's, let's get into, I guess, a little bit of the, the localization of Bitcoin um, as far as like meetups go. So what do you think I, the, the power of Bitcoin meetups are and like meeting with other like-minded people and other Bitcoiners? Uh, in your region, like what has that uh, done for you personally? And uh, how do you think that that could benefit, you know, just the average Bitcoiner just just getting in and getting started? So, I mean, I, I guess like I kind of, I don't want to say misspoke, but I guess like it was a little different for my situation. Like I said, uh, OC Bitcoin, we went to a pizza place and it was like my first like real meet, like my first time meeting real Bitcoiners. I guess I can't really say that because like my father-in-law, is the one that taught me about Bitcoin and we lived like 30 minutes from them. So we were over there all the time. Um, so I've actually always had the benefit of having like people to talk about Bitcoin and like what's going on. It was always like, it was always pretty exciting, but meeting, meeting like other people for the first time and like getting to really like talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. Um, it's, it really is a game changer. If you've only ever done it on Twitter or whatever uh, platform, it is it it will change the way that you look at everything um because you kind of step back and you appreciate i just remember being like giddy when i like left like i i brought my wife with me who's like not she she like appreciates it and she knows it's cool but she's like you know she's not like a hardcore bitcoiner that's okay um but like you know, it just, I was so giddy because I was like, oh, this is so cool. I finally have other people that like, I can like talk to and like go and like, we can hang out and like, just, you know, like, you know, or like some people like, man, when I go to guns and Bitcoin and, um, and I get to hang out with my team and the samurai team and, uh, the, and Ragnar and the guns, Bitcoin guys, I'm like, dude, it is the best because we just like, 
we drink and then we just like shit talk about bitcoin forever and it it's so much fun it's just like it's such a it's such a cool feeling to like finally meet people that you talk to all the time online and uh and yeah so that that really like it it also helped change my perspective of like not everyone who disagrees with my like maybe it's my perspective on lightning maybe it's my perspective on whatever um you know i i like learned to to appreciate everybody's input and that kind of is what made me like i guess less of a dick to put it uh, bluntly um cuz i you know i was and i still can be but like i and i i know that it's okay but like it made me appreciate everyone as a whole and it made me appreciate that everybody wants this thing to succeed no one's out here to try to make this malicious um you know there are people who like necessarily may not might not like some software teams and there might be wars or whatever um but i like if you're talking about bitcoin as a whole um everybody who's in bitcoin wants it to succeed right so um it definitely made me appreciate that um for sure and I also learned that like and I learned this from some of these bigger conferences people that are like you know talk a lot online and have a big mouth online are generally are not do not have that same big mouth in person um they tend to be a lot nicer <laughs> tend to come up and apologize or whatever um so yeah I I always take that uh in person uh in person experience and and yeah it it definitely helped me elevate and start to think about um the direction like how we wanted Ronin to run and and it solidified it really it solidified that privacy aspect because I knew that no one else really cared about doing it the way that we we were trying to do it so um yeah get to your local meetups hang out with people just like have that outlet because um you know yeah we want we want and bring a friend you know that always helps but like um when when you're doing this bitcoin thing and you don't have other people that you can talk to in person it it almost makes you feel isolated a little bit um makes you feel like you're kind of maybe you're the crazy one but like when you meet other people you're like oh man I, i'm not crazy there are other people that are crazy like me you know, this is cool so yeah definitely do that um and then one other note that i like made in my head that you talked about was um onboarding people um and onboarding people is really difficult um if to like onboard people i guess the right way is definitely really difficult um i always try to like educate people like that are interested cuz once someone finds out like in my um you know i i do this thing part time so um in my day job i have people that, like find out i'm i'm into bitcoin and then they're like um cuz i try to drop hints you know i try to i want to like feel out the crowd eventually like someone's like oh like you're in a bit like how do i get bitcoin i'm like like i heard it's a good investment and then like it kind of goes into this like back and forth and and i try to just like only show the like ethos and the like core principles that make it you know that make it a good investment and that's like it's sound money right and all these other good things uh decentralized and blah 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 and if they're not into it at that point i just kind of like they're like well you know i just want to invest i'm like hey yeah, just use cash app man like whatever um but like if they're into the ethos piece i normally end up doing their first transaction with them or i have like onboarded my buddy <laughs> onboarded my buddy's friend my uh so my buddy his son who was like 8 
uh, was doing math homework and he he knew about Bitcoin and I was like, all right, cool. Like, and his dad was like, oh, like he, he does a lot with Bitcoin. And so it was like, hey, if you do all your math homework, you get it all right. I'll give you $10 in Bitcoin. And the kid like lit up and um, he was super based. He knew, he knew all about like, you know, why it was good. And it wasn't just because it was like the number was going to go up. He was a really smart eight-year-old. I was, I was impressed. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually heard like kind of a similar story from Brian Harrington, who I had on like one of my first episodes, and he was saying he wore like a shirt to a you know youth soccer game, and it said "Ask me about Bitcoin," and uh, maybe like eight years old or ten years old or something around that age, and he said he had like two or three eight year olds that came up to him or, or ten year olds or whatever. And they explained exactly what Bitcoin was to him. And it was like, it's amazing. Um, you know, so yeah, good on parents for, for educating their kids. And I think, you know, now that the digital age with the way information spreads, whether it's YouTube or just, like, you know, Google searches or what have you, these kids are, are learning about this fast. Um, you know, anecdotally, I uh, this girl I'm, I'm dating, one of her... Um, guess like her younger brother now is is pretty young and he's uh, he went through like a youtube rabbit hole about you know, rocks or something and this kid's like six years old and he just went through this whole rabbit hole and just talked about it so it's amazing like how much information is out there and how much these kids absorb right now that that you know you or i maybe when we were growing up that we didn't necessarily have we didn't have the the youtubes or or anything like that or maybe it was like just getting started and so now I think uh, these, uh, these young, this young generation is going to grow up and become super, super Bitcoinized, and it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, a lot of Bitcoiners are going to be coming up, and I think it's going to click a lot quicker with them because they're not necessarily being taught, you know, the macro or that, you know, 2% inflation is okay and it should be you know just normalized over every year they're not really being almost i don't want to say brainwashed but kind of brainwashed you know with that that initial thought um and so i think that's a really interesting point that you made there that that i think uh you know hopefully more parents teach their kids uh about bitcoin and and it kind of gets taught earlier on in school and uh kids get educated on it because yeah i think yeah just being fine with the status quo has has led us to a point where we're seeing massive amounts of inflation. Some might call it hyperinflation and uh, getting to where we are today, which, you know, I think, you know, many would agree it's it's not necessarily the best place. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think, um, I think as, you know, bad as, you know, some stuff like YouTube is, uh, or YouTube can be, it's also the number one search engine in the world, right? Uh, it's uh, more people use YouTube than they do Google search. So, um, you know, I, there's a lot of opportunity and that's what kids do. Like kids like to just go on YouTube. I, I mean, I've seen it with my kid. Like I let him have a, I had to take, delete the app cause he used to just like scroll through and he's like four, he would just scroll through videos and it wants some weird stuff. I had to take it away. You know, but I was like, what, what is this? Um, but yeah, like, you know, that's what they do. And then, and, but they're learning and they're like, they're, they're adapting in a different way. So yeah, I, uh, I do think that's as, as long as YouTube is, uh, is pro, uh, you know, as long until they're not pro Bitcoin, 
Um, I think it's going to be in our benefit, you know, that knowledge is going to be out there and, you know, the next generation is definitely going to, going to be rising up like that. So, um, I'm excited for the future. Uh, I'm excited for the future generation to, uh, to keep going and hopefully learn from the mistakes of, of the current generations. Um, hopefully the, this class of Bitcoiners, um, we can all set a good example for them. And I, and I think that's, what's going to happen. I'm, I'm bullish on Bitcoin people, not all, but most. most. Yeah, I, I, I am as well. Um, so I, I actually, I posted this on a, on a Reddit, subreddit. Um, I posted one of my episodes and the title was Austin at Bitcoin Citadel because I had Kyle Murphy on there. Um, and he, you know, similar to you is kind of helping with uh, Bitcoin meetups. Obviously he's in Austin and you're, you know, you've helped with the, the Orange County um, Bitcoin meetup out in Cali. Um, so what I did get one comment that was kind of negative. Uh, I was a little surprised, but um, it, it may be, uh, maybe some more people are kind of thinking this, but I, I didn't really see where the question was coming from. But somebody said, I thought Bitcoin was decentralized. Why do I keep hearing about cities trying to become Bitcoin, quote unquote, hubs or citadels? Um, how would you, I guess, reply to that that comment? And I can get into how I answered it. I mean, I, like the whole Bitcoin Citadel thing was a meme. Like, it, it's a joke. It's and like you know, like Stephen Levera is like sign off, like see you at the Citadels. Like, I love Levera, but um, long time, long time Ronin user. Believe believed in us when no one else did but like the whole the citadel thing it's it was like a meme right it's like oh where can we like be free to like kind of be ourselves or we're gonna build these giant walls so that we can keep out the no coiners and like that's not bitcoin man like bitcoin is borderless like it is digital peer-to-peer cash you can transfer anywhere around the world in a second right like that's what it is and so like yeah you might have like hubs of people where there's a bunch of them at um but i would say that like local meetups and citadels are are two very different ideas citadels are are literally a meme um that i would argue would probably never happen um one because if you're a real bitcoiner that has a lot of bitcoin you probably don't want to tell anybody that you have a lot of bitcoin like that was one of the first rules that my father-in-law told me. He's like, you never tell anybody how much Bitcoin that you have. I still to this day do not know how much Bitcoin that that man has. It's very, very frustrating. But, um, but yeah, like that, like it, it, it would just be like in your best interest to to not be talking to people about how much you have. Like you can talk about it. You can talk. About it. Yeah, I love Bitcoin. Like I have some. When people ask me, I say I have a, I have a non-zero number. That normally makes them very like you know tilt their head. Like what did you just say? Um, but yeah, like I, I have more than zero. I don't have a lot, but like I have enough. I don't know. Like I have more than, more than zero. And, um, cause especially like when you tell people about it before a bull run, they're like, Oh man, you must have so much, so much money. You could probably retire. And you're like, yeah, no, not really. Like I didn't have that much money to invest to begin with. So kind of whatever. Um, citadels are, are definitely, you know, like people that take that serious uh in my opinion don't really understand bitcoin and don't really understand how you would um if you're talking about like long term like everybody would be a bitcoiner if like those are the same people that believe that bitcoin should be 
um, you know, mass adopted and everyone in the world is going to be using Bitcoin. It's going to be the Bitcoin standard, right? So um, Bitcoin will always be decentralized and it's a decentralized network, not a decentralized location of, of group of Bitcoins. So to answer that guy's question, like decentralization is, is about the network and the protocol um, from a more serious standpoint. Like that, that guy is just wrong. But yeah, the, the Citadel thing is a meme. People really shouldn't take too much, uh, uh, take too much into that. I agree. And it seems like you're bullish kind of on like local meetups and, uh, you know, connecting with local Bitcoiners. But there's one big story that I think we'll, we'll wrap it up after, after this. One big story that there's, uh, you know, El Salvador, who obviously made Bitcoin legal tender, brought in, um, I, I want to say it was like either 42 or 44 different countries of central bankers and, and other people kind of in the finance industry or financial aspect of these countries brought them in to uh, talk about Bitcoin and financial inclusion and banking the unbanked. Um, many uh, are are calling this kind of like the the real Bitcoin conference, um, you know, as far as it goes with with countries. Or, or maybe I'm just coining that from the terms uh, as my friends over at the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. But um, what is your opinion on, I guess, all these countries coming together and uh to a lesser extent like bitcoin kind of becoming legal tender in some of these countries so it's probably not going to be like the most popular opinion i know we kind of said this beforehand um i like i don't really care <laughs> like legal tender um you know like like it, it doesn't matter um and it doesn't matter it doesn't affect um doesn't affect Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is going to do what Bitcoin is going to do. Um, like, I feel like people really want this to happen. Like people who really want this to happen think that because it happens, the number is going to go up to like a million dollars. And that is not why we should care. Like what, what should happen and what people need to care about and what we, what we need more of is like outreach on like how to make things you like, how to how to set up like circular economies in area to actually like have bitcoin being used like how do you how do you run and this is what i actually really like about um, brian harrington he was like very good about like going to local businesses and like getting them to you know accept bitcoin and how how do we operate in that environment uh so that bitcoin that gets like people accumulate or like acquire bitcoin and then they spend it to a bitcoin uh a company that accepts bitcoin and then that company doesn't necessarily sell out the Bitcoin right away. If they can use that Bitcoin to buy their supplies and buy whatever, like now we're talking about a circular economy. Now we're talking about sustaining the Bitcoin growth. And, you know, then someone gets hired by said job and then they get paid in Bitcoin, like not in some like weird conversion of like whatever, like the, the legal tender thing. It's like, dude, I, like, that's cool. Like you're saying that your country accepts it. Like that's, that's cool. Um, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't like, I feel like it was a big publicity stunt. Um, maybe he really does believe in it. Um, but like, it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of infrastructure built up and really it, it requires people and business owners, uh, and the community to actually like 
do it and accept it and like build their business around accepting Bitcoin. Um, like that's something that we've been trying to work out with like Pine64 to like accept Bitcoin because then we, the moment that we can get rid of like having a fiat option and only accept Bitcoin, um, like we're 100% dropping the like credit card option because it, one, I, I don't like the fact that I pay a credit, like we have to have credit card fees and like you have to get rated by like creditors and all that shit. Like, I don't want that. I just want to be able to accept Bitcoin and just be peer to peer like we're supposed to. And then I can take that Bitcoin and buy my supplies and pay my people or whatever. Like that's, that is circular economy. So that's the kind of stuff that like, um, that's the stuff that matters. Uh, these like other nations like coming in, like, I don't care about the state. I, like, I don't care what states tell us is okay. Like this is permissionless stuff. I don't need to ask permission to do anything on the internet. I don't need to ask permission to learn how to code. I don't need to ask permission to, uh, to, you know, to run my own node. And I don't need permission to transact with anybody for whatever it is that I want. So why would we ask the state for permission to be a legal tender? Like, why would that matter? It's, it's irrelevant to Bitcoin. Um, the sooner that people actually accept that, like, um, it is irrelevant and people could be doing it without the state's approval, uh, the, the better off that will be because ultimately like it is supposed to be peer to peer. It would be the same as doing, you know, cash transactions with someone locally. You know, you sell your couch, you're going to do it with cash or, I mean, I guess now people use Venmo and whatever, but like you want it peer to peer. You want like people use just use cash and then it's like the government doesn't know how much cash you got. That's how it's supposed to be. It's your money. Do what you want with it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I, I think that's a really good and kind of like a refreshing take because, you know, you kind of get into the echo chamber as uh, Bitcoin Twitter is that, that you know, everything that happens where Bitcoin gets more adoptive is, is a little bit more bullish. But I actually ran a poll, um, you know, which region would will adopt Bitcoin as legal tender faster. And I'm not going to get into the results or anything like that, but two options I put were Latin America and Africa. And uh, one of the friend, a friend of the program, Bitcoin Gandalf at BTC Gandalf said, neither, I hope to eliminate capital gains tax on Bitcoin instead and let the free market decide what the best currency is. And I kind of feel like that's, that's what you're describing here is like, you know, if, if I want to purchase something from you and you'd rather accept Bitcoin, I can pay you in Bitcoin or kind of let that, that local economy kind of grow and uh accept whichever cash or you know i guess quote unquote payment that 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 they'd rather accept and i think that's kind of a novel concept that not quite or not too many bitcoiners really have that view just yet but i'm starting to come around to think like that's that's the way to go is to kind of avoid the regulation and uh maybe like the government intervention initially because there's always going to be some pushback of it right and i think that you know kind of letting the free market decide will be the best result for bitcoin um what do you kind of think about that yeah i mean um like people have to remember that like if the government approves or doesn't approve or whatever uh of of bitcoin or really anything you know like they want either their take or they want control or they want both. Like that's how it's going to be. So like, just remember that like you push for all this, like government approval, government approval, or like we want like us dot like, Oh man, what did uh, Michael Saylor say? Like, 
Bitcoin will be the rails or Bitcoin rails to fiat or fiat rails of Bitcoin. I don't know. He said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's silly. Like that is, uh, or having like a US dollar backed Bitcoin, like, like dumb. Like it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need that at all. Like gold needed that because we didn't have easy ways of transferring the right amount of gold to different people. So you had a set amount of gold that was worth a dollar bill or whatever it was. Like that was what happened. Now we don't need that because I can send any amount of Bitcoin anywhere in an instant. So like people just need to, you know, be able to like remember that like the more government intervention that you ask for or approval that you ask for, just know that there is a there is a uh, counter side to that, a negative counter side that will come out um, because governments do not do things that they cannot control. Like they would not do something that they, you know, that would take away their power. Like that that is like antithetical to what a government is. Um, they want that. That's just like the position that they're in is to maintain power, maintain control, and uh, of their people. So keep that in mind when it when we get to you know uh u.s government approved backed bitcoin like if, if that's what bitcoin ends up being uh as a whole then like i don't really know how much of bitcoin that really is if it's censored transactions or whatever uh that's that's not really bitcoin yeah i agree with you 100 percent, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how it plays out because i agree with you that you know, no government really wants to give up that power. And I think the uh, United States has the most to lose when it comes to all that. So um, it'll be an interesting few years. I still think, uh, you know, El Salvador and like some of these smaller countries have, you know, less to lose and more to gain with adopting Bitcoin. So that's kind of why they do it. But uh, the U United States and some of these other bigger, I guess, quote unquote, first world countries have have more to lose for sure. So um, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what they uh, what they decide to do, um, you know, going forward. But um, Zelko, I really appreciate your time. I know we're running a little bit longer than normal, and I feel like I can almost talk to you, uh, you know, for for hours on end about all this stuff because I think your insight is great and and you know, really not not necessarily like what you get on on Bitcoin, Twitter, and some of these other places. So uh, one, I'd love to have you back on at another time. So so maybe we'll get that set up sometime soon. And uh, two, why don't you uh, sign us off and tell everybody, you know, what you got going on in the Bitcoin space and, uh, you know, where everybody can find you. Yeah, no, I, I had a great time. Yeah, I love doing these things and talking about everything. It's it's always fun to talk to any, literally like anybody about Bitcoin. It's a uh, but you've been a great host, so I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you can find uh, find me on Twitter, Telegram, uh, same handle, so BTCXDelco. Um, but yeah, so I'm always open for DMs. Um, but yeah, just uh, come check us out, ronadojo.io or uh, shop.ronadojo.io is where you can find our store. Um, and yeah, so we're like a, we're recently became a exclusive partners with uh exclusive hardware partners with uh, Samurai Wallet. Uh, so if you go on their uh, website, you'll also see a link to uh, to our Ronin Dojo shop, uh, which we're super excited about. Um, you know, we've been 
community members for a really long time. So to be able to be officially endorsed uh, is, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot coming out. We're going to have a, a software release here soon. Uh, and then another follow-up one shortly thereafter, hopefully. And um, with some really big changes and then a lot planned for the next, um, next six to 12 months. Um, including a lot of like requests that we've had, like including that goes with like uh, full desktop support. People have been asking that forever. Um, and so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of really big stuff coming up and we're excited to, uh, to be able to, to deliver. So, uh, stay tuned with that and yeah, um, hit us up on Twitter or, uh, or telegram. Yeah, be sure to uh, hit them up on Twitter and Telegram. Do it, do it both because it sounds yeah. like a lot of good stuff in the works, and uh, it's always exciting to see these these Bitcoin companies grow. So um, good on you for for getting started and showing you know that that actual proof of work in the industry. And I wish nothing but the best for running Dojo. And if anything I could do to help, uh, you know, be sure to let me know, and I'll be spreading the good word um, about everything you guys got going on. For sure, man. I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate you having me on here and uh, look forward to the next time that we talk because uh, I know it's going to be another fun conversation. We can always debate lightning or whatever you want to do. We'll have, uh, it'll be a fun. I won't be too much of a dick, I promise. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm not worried about it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much and uh, have a great rest of your night. All right. You too, buddy.